the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Get it going right here or right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to a brand new episode of New Generation Declassified exclusively here on the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling's Podcasting Empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we take a stroll back in time. We go back and look at the glory days of the WWF, uh, maybe the glory days to us, of the World Wrestling Federation. 1993 through 1997, the new generation, and that's why we call it New Generation Declassified. Digging in this week just to kind of give you a lay of the land, give you a little bit of a preview of what we've got going on over the next couple of weeks and kind of let you in on some of the stuff that I've been kind of checking out here in New Generation land. Uh, But just absolutely digging the last few weeks of shows that we put out here on the airwaves. Some of my favorites that I think I've ever done just in terms of uh, just the flow of how they've gone. Had a lot of fun chit-chatting and getting to know some of the guests we've had and uh, learning a little bit, too, in the process, which is never a bad thing, especially when you're going back and looking at the history of professional wrestling and WWF specifically. Uh, Some things that you might think you know, you just don't know the beginning of. And that is something I've come to realize uh, while recording some of these shows. Uh, but yeah, welcome into New Generation Declassified. I uh, can't tell you how I'm so thrilled to be putting out these shows on a weekly basis, uh, not resting, not taking a week off. Uh, and this week, although I don't have a guest joining me or I don't have a co-host with me this week, I'm trying to shift gears a little bit. And we've been kind of working on the merch as of late. We've been working on some merchandise related shows, uh, trying to shift gears for a little while but there's still one that i have coming up that's going to be uh merchandise related but just trying to really get a lay of the land on what i want to work on here with the new generation declassified episodes uh just to take you behind the scenes you know and recording these episodes and then scheduling people to do them you know it's a it's a mutual thing you got to get everybody's schedules all synced up and make sure everybody's times are working correctly and uh, nine times out of ten it does work sometimes it does not uh, but you know, that's the beauty of uh, podcasting and how you put a show together. You just never know. Sometimes you have a guest and it sucks. Sometimes you don't have a guest and it's great. Uh, so we'll kind of play it in the middle this week and hopefully this doesn't suck and hopefully it's kind of great. So we'll, uh, we'll chit chat here for a little bit. Just me and the, uh, the listeners here, the TMPT empire and new generation declassified, uh, give you a little bit of a lay of the land of what we have coming on. I got a few guests scheduled already. Uh, one starting next week. Now, I don't like to give like who it is just in case it falls through. Uh, but looking at some of the themes that we have coming up, uh, one guy we touched on a little bit that we'll be digging a little bit more into uh, next week, specifically for his day, which is in the calendar next week. Uh, we're going to be looking at Stone Cold Steve Austin and the 1996 specific year for Stone Cold Steve Austin. We can talk about King of the Ring until the cows come home. You know, we've talked about his debut on the airwaves. We've talked about the Brother Love Show and how he was the million-dollar champion. But we're just going to talk about the year and how it progressed and basically starting off as the ringmaster and really ending as basically the full-blown Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, character. Myself, 
wasn't necessarily the biggest Austin fan as a kid growing up and uh, wasn't really into Stone Cold Steve Austin at its peak. I was always kind of uh, maybe on the other side of what the uh, the cool stuff was. Maybe me, me myself trying to think I was cool, not uh, just following the uh, the trends. But I definitely, definitely loved Austin, you know, in the later years, the Attitude Era, 2000, 2001. Uh, I was always a big Austin fan during that time. But in 96, it wasn't really uh, grabbing me. Uh, but we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about 1996 as a whole for Austin, uh, seemingly starting on that Brother Love show, uh, holding his palm out, letting each and every one of the fans reach out and touch uh, the ringmaster, and then just ending with the seething promos on Bret Hart leading to Survivor Series and the role that he'd play uh, going into the 97 Royal Rumble. We'll talk all about it. We'll talk about what 96 meant to not only Austin, but the, the historical realm of the WWF and the WWE and how it would shape the, the business for years to come. We're going to get into all that because, I mean, there's some cool little ins and outs about Austin's 96 that you know, I think need a little bit more exploring. You know, we talk about some of the house show loops uh, that on this show, and I'll, I'll talk about house shows in a little while. But uh, 96, he had some interesting uh, dance partners uh, on the house shows, uh, specifically Shawn Michaels. And we'll talk about that uh, next week as uh, 316 Day drops, I believe, the day before our episode comes out. We will be recording it on uh, 316 Day, I want to say. But It'll be uh, the day after, but still it'll be uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin centric uh, episode. And uh, you need those. You need the Austin. You need to give him the respect that he deserves. And you got to give uh, due to that calendar year of 96 from the WWF perspective. You know, Austin was really the only thing that you had that was, I would say, compelling because, you know, HBK wasn't everybody's cup of tea as the world champion. And we saw Diesel and Razor depart and Brett was gone for the whole summer and you know, Undertaker was in uh, some decent feuds. The Ultimate Warrior was there for a cup of coffee. Sid came back at the end of the summer. Ahmed Johnson got a big push, but Austin was the, the true story. And he would go on to obviously have one of the greatest uh, wrestling or WWE careers of all time. The uh, household name, the Austin 316. You know, that was uh, the promo heard around the world. The King of the Ring 96 would be in the lexicon of the wrestling uh, fan for a long time. Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. I mean, come on. We all know it. I don't need to uh, go over it. But next week will be a Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, eccentric show. Uh, also, in a few weeks in, it will go back to the merch. This one was planned. It just hasn't been recorded yet. Uh, we're going to look at the action figures. We're going to dig a little bit more into uh, why they didn't have a toy line during the, uh, the mid-90s, uh, how the only thing that they really had on paper was the uh, the Just Toys Bendem action figures. Uh, where do they fall? Are they still uh, sought after collector-wise? Is this something that uh, wets your whistle? If you're an action figure completist, do you want Bendem figures? We'll talk about those uh, next week, as well as you know when the Hasbro toy line ended and before the Jack's toy line started for a good portion, there was nothing. And you were searching for retreads on shelves. You were digging through bargain bins to uh, complete who you were missing. And in some cases, you never saw anybody and you had to order them through catalogs and you were already starting to pay premiums for figures now that are an absolute premium territory uh, without a shadow of a doubt. So we'll talk about action figures and the, the just toy bendems and the, the end of the Hasbro era um, in a couple of weeks. Uh, also have a couple of uh, superstars 
from the wrestling world, not necessarily the WWF that we're going to come uh, together with. And we're going to have a few chats. What influenced them during this era? What are some of the matches that they go to if they want to do some homework? Uh, some of the people might surprise you as to how big of a fan uh, they are in terms of um, the, the homage they pay to the business on a daily basis. Uh, but I always like looking at the wrestler perspective because um, this era being forgotten, you know, for our generation, the guys in the, the end of their thirties, uh, you know, this was kind of, even though we grew up in the Hogan years, this was kind of the formation years for us. And where we got to maybe understand a little bit more. And uh, some of the guys that are now veterans of the ring grew up in this era watching. So what about it? Did, uh, did it mean to, uh, to them? Uh, do they watch it? Does it hold up for them? You know, is there stuff that they borrow? Is there stuff that they look at as a template? And uh, it's a great question that will be answered. And we have a few uh, guys lined up that'll uh, chit chat about that, but we just have so much that we can cover. And I always love hearing suggestions. I always love hearing from people. The feedback for this show has been some of the best that I think I've ever gotten in my uh, podcasting career over the last six years just because it's it's just such a different show. And the, the relief that I have recording it is not of any bit of any kind of nerves. You don't have any kind of worry like, oh, my gosh, this is good. I got one shot to get this done. This show is so stress-free that it just ends up being fun. And the last episode that we had talking about the, the rare trading cards uh, with Paul from the wrestling figure or the wrestling trading card price guide, I mean, that to me was just as a, as a trading card mark that I am. Uh, that was just so much fun. And I mean, I didn't know half the stuff that uh, was going on uh, with some of those European releases and the international ones. And it's just so cool looking back since I recorded that and seeing just all this stuff going on price-wise, you know, skyrocketing and these international cards being so hard to get. Uh, I took screenshots from Paul's videos, which he he plugged on his YouTube channel on the, uh, the episode, and I showed them to uh, the franchise Shane Douglas, a.k.a. Dean Douglas, who in this South African Panini set has four cards, and Shane did not know they existed. He never saw them, he never heard of them, and he thought it was pretty cool. So if you can impress one of the boys... And uh, with some merchandise like that, you know, you know that it's uh, it's got to be rare. And I would love to get my hands on a couple of those Dean Douglas uh, trading cards because, uh, you know, being a, a big fan and a good buddy here of the, of the franchise, I'd love to have that kind of stuff for my own personal collection. So that's something that I'm now keeping in the back of my mind as I uh, move forward and collect my stuff is uh, I'm looking for some uh, <laughs> rare uh, Dean Douglas cards. I never thought I'd be adding that to my uh, my my plate here or my uh you know my collecting repertoire but i will be and i'm looking forward to that because uh god loves some dean douglas and i gotta get shane on here one day to talk about the dean uh, and we've heard the stories on shooter interviews but uh i think i know how to ask some of the questions to him to get uh some of the good answers um one day I i'm not gonna pressure him <laughs> if you want to hear him talk about dean douglas Hit the triple threat podcast up on the uh, the Vince Russo brand because it's uh, we talk about the Dean fairly uh, regularly and um, I don't want to bother him with that. I don't know <laughs> that that could add too much to his uh, his daily franchise activities. But that was just so cool to learn about those, and I hope everybody who was listening learned about them. I mean, we learned about WWF Pogs, some of us uh, a couple episodes back. So if we can learn about Pogs, we can learn about international trading cards. What else are we going to find out? And that's why when we talk about the action figures, if you're a collector, we will uh, maybe unearth some uh, some brand new news for you uh, when we talk about them in a couple of weeks. 
Now, switching gears a little bit to what I want to talk about today, you know, shows. I'm always looking for shows. I'm always looking for stuff to watch. And we talked about house shows a couple of times. You know, we've talked about the different areas. We've uh, had guests from that have gone to house shows during this era. We had uh, Chris Pavone in uh, Ohio. We had Mike Durbin in Chicago. Uh, we had Trent Zuberry also in Chicago. Uh, myself, JP, John Paz going to the shows at the Garden in the Northeast. Uh, we've kind of run the table, and this is something I really want to look at if you're listening to this show and you went to an area that we haven't talked about yet. Maybe Texas, maybe uh, Los Angeles, maybe uh, the Midwest, uh, upper Midwest, you know, uh, the Southeast. If you went to shows in a territory we haven't talked about yet, I would love to kind of pick your brain about it because I want to know how big they were promoted in the area. Did you go to a TV taping? Did you go to a pay-per-view? Did you go to a house show? Uh, Have you seen the footage since? If you did, uh, does it hold up to your little memory at the time or looking back 25 years? If you were an adult, does, can you remember it? If you're listening to this now and you want to come on, hit me up. I would love to uh, chit chat about it and see uh, what you remember. Uh, love finding out what merchandise you got, you know, uh, where you were sitting. Did you meet anybody? Uh, and it brings me to kind of what I've been unearthing over the last um, couple of weeks. You know, like I said, trying to figure out. Uh, what to uh, talk about on the show rather than just the run of the mill. Oh, Monday Night Raw from, uh, you know, uh, September 93 was great. Blah, blah, blah. We can do that. And we will still do that. We'll look at more specific gimmicks and, you know, uh, lists and stuff like that. But I just like finding some more of the intricacies. And I've gone down a, uh, you know, somewhat of a rabbit hole of these uh, fan cam recorded shows that you can find on YouTube, you know, or you have your uh, friendly neighborhood, uh, uh, stream that you uh, somebody might have hooked you up with if they've got a collection of fan cam shows or shows that were recorded maybe on the DL back in the day uh, from the seats. Uh, some of these shows we might have called them bootleg back in the day, but that that's a a, a word that's gone from the uh, the, the vernacular of uh, of collectors. Bootlegs is gone. It's now fan cam or fan recording. Um, those weren't necessarily allowed, but for the people that did do it. Some guys did a hell of a job and you're actually looking at like a real professional shoot. And some of them are shaky and they give you agita and they make you want to throw up. But uh, for the ones that I found, especially during this era, there is a lot on YouTube. When you type in WWF fan cam, you could put in 93, you could put in 94, you could put in 95 and stuff comes up and not just from Madison Square Garden. I'm seeing shows from Montreal. I'm seeing shows from Reno, Nevada. I'm seeing shows from Providence, Rhode Island. I'm seeing shows from Hartford, Connecticut. I'm seeing shows from the Cow Palace in San Francisco and full shows, two hour shows. And it is such a great glimpse into how a house show was put together at the time and the formatting and how maybe a paralleled television a little bit. And some ways how maybe you would have liked to have seen some things on television. Uh, these fan cams are, are fascinating. How they use the entrance music versus how they use it on TV. Did guys use different entrance music on the house shows than they did on the television? It's the kind of stuff that when you look for it and unearth it, and there's a couple of posters on YouTube that uh, that have more than just one. You know, there's there's <laughs> there's a guy called Wrestling Handhelds that's on YouTube. He's got some of the shows. Uh, but there's other ones that they just uh, their presentation reflects some of the content. And it's just, oh, my gosh, just absolute gold. Uh, Nassau Coliseum 
uh, June 95, you know, there's battle Royals, there's title matches, there's casket matches, so many different variations of, of great, great contests that we could have maybe hoped to see. And I was a guy who did not get to go to a house show until 1996. You know, my dad did not like wrestling. So house shows or TV tapings or pay-per-views that was not happening in my house. And you would think, wow, for such a, a huge fan, it was to sit my ass in front of the television, whether it was renting the tape or sitting, waiting for the second superstars came on or challenge or primetime or all American wrestling. And then Monday night raw, I had to live for those shows because I did not get to go to house shows. And I would talk to kids at school and they'd come in with their program, with their run sheet and all this stuff. And I'd be like, wow, this is like the coolest kid in the world because he got to go to a WWF house show. And eventually, you know, once I got there in 96, all bets are off. I mean, then I'd be there every, you know, every year <laughs> after up until like 2014, 2015. But um, yeah, you know, these house shows that you find on these handhelds are, are just an absolute time capsule that I would love to be uh, using a little bit more as a uh, as a resource. And I think we can going forward. Um, you know, I don't know if we'll necessarily do something like watch alongs because they're two hours. I mean, and people got lives, but uh, a couple of them. So, so cool. There was one specifically that I found that I would love to find out who recorded this and, uh, and kind of <laughs> find out how they got this access. But uh, it's Burlington, Vermont from April 26, 1994. It's literally backstage footage of guys hanging out backstage. And it's, I mean, it's presumably a, a young adult um, involved in this, uh, this recording uh, at an autograph session, getting autographs and pictures with the smoking guns. But then like kind of backstage, you see Diesel, just hanging out. You see Bret Hart just kind of hanging out. You see the guys like relaxed um, and this camera floating around and filming things. And I guess they just didn't pay any attention to it. Uh, but what a great look. And, you know, and you always know WWF will go to Burlington, Vermont fairly often. Uh, so it's a it's a town that was WWF friendly. And this stuff is just an absolutely um, just a really cool uh, inside look at behind the scenes of that era. Uh, and hey, that meet and greet wasn't anything to uh, shake a stick at either. The smoking guns, also Harvey Whippleman, Adam Baum. I mean, on those classic WWF promotional sheets that had the different superstars pictured in boxes. And if you went to a meet and greet at a car dealership or a grand opening of something, and they didn't phase out the promos because those were still around the uh, the eight by ten promotional photos. But these sheets were stacked high as you could possibly imagine. And it had, you know, uh, a big space for the autographs and it had pictures of featured talent, you know, and it would have your, your big five. We always talk about Undertaker, uh, Big Daddy Cool, Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. You know, you might get an Owen, you might get a Bulldog, you might get Gold Dust in later years. You might even see a guy like Aldo Montoya pop on him. It was guys that were, you know, featured stars in the magazine and on Superstars and on TV. Uh, you got their little face in a box, and if you met one of them, you get them signed in the middle. Now, you might get somebody like a Harvey Whippleman who's not necessarily going to be pictured on the uh, the, the multi-featured superstar uh, sheet, but still, you got yourself a Harvey Whippleman autograph, and in 1994, that was pretty damn cool. Uh, hell, in 2021, it's pretty damn cool. Harvey did a, uh, a virtual signing from my buddy Nick from Captain's Corner not too long ago, and people were uh, clamoring for a little downtown Bruno so nonetheless, if you have that and you recorded this, oh, man, well, we love to talk to you and, and pick your brain and see uh, what else you remember 
uh, from that night. But I would love to just make this more emphasized on some of these shows going forward. Uh, maybe even do it as a series uh, and see maybe how they stack up against uh, the, the television at the time. You know, your house show matches are going to tend to be a little bit longer, you know, some more rest holds in there. Uh, but still, it's just the, the natural crowd reaction on the television. It's a little canned. You can't hear stuff as clearly uh, the natural pop, as you would say, maybe the different ring announcers, you know, not only a Howard Finkel or a, a young Tony Chimmel in there. Uh, but there's a couple of random announcers that they would use on the road. Maybe if they were in the specific territory, like a Montreal, Canada, they'd have a, uh, a French Canadian uh, announcer doing it. Sometimes I've heard even Ray Rougeau did some of the ring announcing uh, on those Canadian shows, those uh, Montreal shows, because he would speak French Canadian and they would do the dual intros in French Canadian and in English. Um, so cool to see same thing. Referees, you know, you'd see a random referee that you're not familiar with outside of, you know, your Tim whites or your Earl Hebner's and later years, Mike Kyoto, you'd see maybe like a one or two random territory referee pop in and be like, Oh, I guess that's a guy who must, uh, be from the area is making uh, 50 bucks to uh, referee a WWF match. Good for him. Now, would they do that in today's, uh, WWE? Hell no, they would never do that uh, for all the money in the world. It's everything in-house. Uh, but still, it was a little lax back in the day. Same thing, you know, you see your radio DJ uh, <laughs> feuds that would take place on the house shows. You know, you go into uh, Utah and, uh, you know, Jimmy John in the morning in uh, Utah uh, has a beef with, uh, let's just say, Harvey Whippleman. And every time the WWF comes to town, uh, Jimmy John's at ringside, jaw jacking. Say that four times, Jimmy John, Jaw Jackin at Harvey Whippleman, that finally it'll culminate in an in-ring confrontation where uh, Jimmy John will confront Harvey Whippleman in the corner and whomever Harvey Whippleman's man is, and let's just use Adam Baum because we already mentioned him, uh, would come in, kind of uh, put the brakes to the uh, possible attack and then be saved uh, by the babyface, uh, Jimmy John would be as Adam Baum would come out. So there you go. So it would be a kind of a thing that would build up to maybe the first match of the night. You see this if you watch some of these handhelds. And, uh, you know, being that I try to stay in the new generation era, it's tough because uh, you see some temptation. You know, you see uh, <laughs> when I saw the WWF at the National Car Rental Center from uh, May 4th, 2002, uh, with a Hollywood Hulk Hogan uh, undisputed championship uh, uh, picture there on the front of the uh, the YouTube thumbnail. I got to say, I had to click that one. I had to put the new generation on the back burner temporarily, but that's Hulk Hogan rules. Hulk Hogan supersedes uh, everything. But you see shows from the Attitude Era pop up on here. And I mean, even though I did go to shows in 96, those Attitude Era shows, you couldn't even get in the freaking building. I mean, you couldn't even get through the door. Everybody was on pins and needles waiting for that first bell and the first music, whoever it was, you know, you could rival Austin say, all right, Austin got the biggest pop of the night. Maybe DX got the second biggest pop of the night. Don't ever look past the first guy to come out, especially the first baby face, because they'll get the biggest pop because you're so excited to be watching this show. You don't give a crap who it is that comes out. They're going to get a huge pop. And that's the uh, Steve Austin would say that's the bottom line. But check out the, uh, the the handheld stuff. We're going to be digging into it deep. I mean, look at this one. Madison Square Garden, May 20th, 1994. Thumbnail. Bret Hart kissing the world title. And there's Owen Hart across the ring from him. 
definitely have to uh, put that one on the list. Uh, what else do we have here? Looking through WWF Live, San Jose, California, one fourteen ninety four. A uh, a thing of beauty, uh, I would say. And also, you know, and this I would we should have done this during the Ro- Royal Rumble time. And I will try to get back uh, Kalen Croft, aka Chris Pavone, when we do talk about it. But those house show rumbles uh, from the time are uh, really worth our attention. And as a guy who's as big a fan as he was during this era, I'm sure he would absolutely love it. So uh, I got to pull that out when I bring Chris back on. And Chris is a huge new generation fan. And I know he really uh, he really loves what we do here on the uh, on the airwaves. And uh, if he and I talk, you know, outside of, you know, how are you doing or what else is going on in the world? We're talking new generation stuff in some capacity. And he's uh, he's such a good fan that I would love to see him. I would love to give him the copy of it. Watch this. Then we'll talk about it rather than, again, do a watch along. It's too small of a platform for that. If you want to look as a grandiose plan, maybe one day, you know, do we add some sort of visual element with a watch along? Because I do love commenting with folks that are uh, watching it with us. Uh, That would be great. Maybe one day. It's just not in the cards right now. I really like doing the simplicity of this show and just sitting behind a mic, especially here in the old uh, Chad cave down here in the basement. And just, you know, spitting at the mic and uh, letting you guys in on a little bit of the old historical mind of the Chadster and uh, and really uh, hopefully introducing people to some of this content and uh, looking down again. WWF ha- uh, Nassau Coliseum, June 9th, 1995. Definitely gonna be watching that. Um, oh, 2000. We don't, we don't care about that. How about this one? WWF in uh, Germany. October 10th, 1995, thumbnail, Diesel and Yokozuna. We got to see those European shows. Those are some of the more epic uh, tours of all time that the guys have talked about. They love those European tours, especially through Germany. And that that tour specifically had a lot of collateral damage uh, across the board. And, you know, going back to my buddy there, the Dean, that tour specifically was almost like the beginning of the end for him. Uh, so we should definitely look at some of those shows, man. There is just so much that we could do, uh, in this new generation universe. And we will, we will continue to dig and we will continue to look as long as you continue to support. And like I said, this is just a look ahead in this episode. If you decided to skip it, you're not missing much. I'm just giving you some suggestions on what you could possibly look at, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm calling out, I'm doing a call to action Give me stuff to talk about if you want. If you want to really check out this show in a more up-close fashion, hit me up. would love to chit-chat about the new generation if you want. Anything relating to uh, putting this show together, I'm all ears. I, I couldn't be any more of an uh, enthusiast for the podcasting realm of people getting involved that can contribute to podcasting. If you're just doing podcasting uh, as a novelty and you're not really that great at it, Maybe step aside for the people, especially the people that listen to these shows. You know what you're talking about. You have good resources. You know, definitely would love to hear from you without a doubt and uh, and see what we can bring to the table because it's all about uh, collaboration uh, in the positive way, not in the negative way, not in a I have no business being behind a microphone kind of way. Uh, so we can leave it at that and uh, and head to the wrap up uh, for this edition of new generation declassified again uh next week 
talking a little 1996 Stone Cold Steve Austin celebrating 316 Day. Uh, then in the following weeks, we're going to talk about the action figures of this uh, era. Where did they go? Uh, why were they gone? Were they coming back? What did we miss? Was there any prototypes we missed? We're going to dig into a piece of it. There's more, I'm sure, that we can uncover, but we're going to deal with one single piece of that uh, a piece of the pie, and we will uh, explore it. We'll get into it. It's going to be a hell of a time. Also going to hear from some uh, guys that are actually in the ring. What did this era mean to them? What did they learn? Were they influenced? Did they uh, take anything from it? Did they borrow? Uh, or were they directly influenced uh, in any way, shape, or form? Going to dig into that. Uh, but hey, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, if you want to follow me in the social media world, it's at Chad E&B on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to go to my website, it's ibexclusives.com. I've got autograph signings with some of baseball's uh, legends. We got some wrestling mixed in there as well. But if you're a baseball fan and you're looking to boost your uh, autograph and memorabilia collection, Come on over to ibexclusives.com. You'll uh, like what you see uh, for all these episodes and all the podcasting under the TMPT umbrella. It's tmptempire.com, uh, New Generation Declassified. Uh, my partner, JP, and all the podcasts that he has his hands in are all under the TMPT Empire umbrella and house very happily at tmptempire.com. If you want to join me over on Eyes Up Here with the Queen of Extreme Francine, it's patreon.com slash Francine podcast. There you'll get not only the Eyes Up Here flagship show, you'll get three other extras that we produce exclusively for Patreon during the, the week to include a watch along of some sort, usually having to do with ECW since she uh, was involved in everything. Francine's got a great take on all things ECW. So that's uh, once a week as part of the Eyes Up Here package. And for the Triple Threat podcast, head on over to the Vince Russo, Russo brand. Every single week, the franchise Shane Douglas brings his brand of podcasting to the airwaves as he gives you his exclusive franchise takes in the very uh, unique way the franchise can do that. And it's every week over at the Vince Russo, Russo brand and Russo's brand dot uh, com. I guess that's enough out of me. You know, we can wrap it up for this week. I will see you all uh, talking about some Stone Cold Steve Austin on the next new generation declassified. But I stress to you, please go back and listen to the previous episodes. See if there's something that you missed, something that maybe I miss that you want to call me out on anything you want to do. Go back and check out the archive here on the TMPT Empire. So for nobody else, because it's just me, this is the Chadster, and we will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.